Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, before we start the show, we just wanted to address something a lot of commenters have been saying. Quincy doesn't even want to do it. <laughs> We had a joke a little while ago by uh, Brendan Jackson, Celtics Club, that this is shot on a green screen. It's not. We wanted to make sure that our fans know that we actually are doing this in the garden, bringing this to you from the garden. That's why we called it the garden before. We'll even uh, show you with Jimmy Rocks and my, uh, the camera over here, that garden floor down below us being torn apart over here. Uh, so we just wanted to make sure that people understand this is the real deal, this is authentic, and we're not messing around with you when we Check out those before. banners. Woo! Super Bowl Sunday, but we're in the garden right now. We're about to break down the Celtics-Clippers game in which the Celtics won 106-104. to 104. This is the Garden Report on Celtics Blog and CLNS Radio. All right, so now that we've got everything straightened away, Celtics won 106-104 this evening, or this afternoon, I guess. Probably should have been 106-101, uh, but Jamal Crawford took that last second uh, three-pointer there because Jamal, Craw- Jamal Crawford can never pass a shot up, never. Uh, Evans Clinchy and Jimmy Toscano from Celtics Blog. My name is Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio. We're going to break down this game. It was pretty much uh, a blowout for most of the game, and then as the yeah. Celtics are prone to do, they let the Clippers come back and made it interesting because they know that they want to steal the spotlight from the Super Bowl today. I'm sure everyone nationwide is going to be talking about this game. Uh, but we're going to talk about it for you. Uh, Evans, let's just start with you. How did you think the Celtics uh, looked at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then how did they just veer off into a massive collapse? I mean, this is classic fourth quarter Celtics offense. We've seen this for the last three or four years, right? They get lazy. They start settling for jump shots. They're like, you know, we're up by 15. We can miss one or two, and it's okay. And it's just it's this mental laziness that leads to physical laziness, and it all snowballs. And suddenly 15 points is three, and you're panicking. I mean, we've seen this a million times before. It's not good. Yeah, what he said. I mean, listen, when you're going against a team like the Clippers, a 15-point lead can, can go away just like that. And they've got plenty of shooters on that team, as mm-hmm. we've seen you know, today and, and every, a lot of other games. If, it, if it's a team like you know, the Wizards or a team that's not playing with the Bobcats, you're up by 15, you know, middle of the fourth quarter. Maybe you can take the foot off the gas a little bit, put in some of the, you know, the end-of-rotation guys. But against this team... Can't do it. I think the Celtics did that today. They took the foot off the gas. They started, you know, maybe looking at the clock, playing the clock instead of the Clippers. And all of a sudden, it's a two-point game, and there's plenty of time left. And the Clippers had opportunities to either tie or go ahead towards the end of the game. There. That's exactly what Doc said. Let's uh, let's take a look at what he said about that. Uh, that's back-to-back games where we were playing really good basketball. We were pressuring. We're getting up the floor. We're playing in space. Where our offense was early clock and. We get into the third quarter in the middle of it, and all of a sudden they're scoring in five seconds. We're walking the ball up the floor. 
And, and what I, I try to tell like that's not who we are. We can't be that anymore. We just can't. We can't play that way. And, um, you know, and then we start. I thought we got a little tight at times. We were throwing the ball away and, you know, but that happens when you turn it off, you know, and uh, let go of the rope, as they say. And I thought we did that, uh, and that's back-to-back games. So we won the game. Uh, we beat a heck of a team, and I'm very happy with that. Uh, but, you know, in, in my mind, we can be better, much better than we were today. The Sox saying they can't be that team anymore. They tried to play the clock, but when you play the clock a lot of the time in the NBA, Jimmy, you pretty much fall flat on all regards. And unless you're executing and hitting all your shots perfectly, you're pretty much you're, you're going to likely let the team come back a little bit. Right, and that's just not them, like Doc said. I mean, if they're going from run and gun, push the pace, outlets immediately upon the rebound, all of a sudden to switch that and be the half-court team that they can't be anymore, I mean, that's letting the Clippers step back, on, you know, get back on defense. And if they're getting stops, then all of a sudden they're going to hurt you in transition because they've got plenty of guys on that team that can run the floor just like the Celtics can. And that's what we saw. The Clippers were playing with... Um, you know, a certain amount of energy and, you know, against the, you know, they were against, they were up against time and they were against the clock and the Celtics sort of just watching them chip away, chip away and then, oh, all of a sudden it was, oh, crap, now let's go back to what got us that lead to begin with. Yeah, I mean, we've got to face it, these new look Celtics are going to struggle late in games offensively. Yeah. I mean, Doc was saying after the game that, you know, their, their three main post threats are Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jeff Green. If those three guys are your three best post threats, you got to find other ways to score. And if your way to score is by running the floor and swinging transition, and you're getting kind of tired in the fourth quarter, I mean, you're kind of left with no options. If you can't score in the post and you can't score in transition, you've got to settle for jumpers. It's all you got left. And you just got to hope that Paul Pearson and Jason Terry make enough jumpers at the end to keep you afloat. And today they just barely did, you know? They did. And yeah. Terry and Pierce especially in the fourth, towards the end there, came through. Yeah, but the, you know, the issue for them is that the interior defense is still pretty good in the fourth quarter. Blake Griffin only went two for five from the field playing 11 minutes in the fourth quarter. So they neutralized the biggest offensive threat there. Although, I guess now the argument is Jamal Crawford, who had a big fourth quarter, who's the biggest offensive threat for them in the fourth. But the Celtics just still, their energy level on the perimeter seems to die down a little bit towards the end of the game. Agree. I mean, I don't know if it has to do with the new way that they're playing lately. and They're obviously running more and they're... You know, up and down the court. And I don't know if guys are getting tired. I asked David Bradley that. He said, no, that's not the case. But, I mean, he's not. he can't speak for everybody. He doesn't know how, sure. you know, Kevin Garnett feels after playing what he's playing or anyone else. So I think that that could be an issue. But I think it just comes down to, you know, just watching the clock and just hoping this game ends before the other team catches up. That's what it comes And to be fair, Avery's probably one of the few people in the league that's all running as hard as possible right. at the end of games since his conditioning is pretty impressive. Um, so... The rest of the game wasn't so bad. Uh, they actually yeah, were fantastic good. the rest of the game. It was yeah. really a fourth-quarter class kind of night. Evans, they were forcing turnovers. They forced 15 turnovers on the Clippers in the first half. Uh, contrast the first half and the second half for me. Oh, the first half, they were just so active on defense. It's like every single pass, they're leaping, trying to cut off and intercept it. Paul Pierce was diving for loose balls. Jeff Green, I mean, they were every single opportunity for a steal that they, they could find, they were getting that steal. They were running the floor. Um, they made a couple of risky passes, you know, risky turnovers for no reason when they could have just scored a transition a little bit more naturally. I mean, they made some mistakes, but they played really hard and really well to just get transition buckets. It's and, nice. And to the Clippers' credit, they must have thrown three bad pass alley-oop turnovers <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. first half. Yeah, I mean, Bledsoe can throw an alley-oop pass, but it's not quite for, uh, Chris Paul. But it was amazing the first quarter, at least the first, like, six minutes of the first quarter, Jimmy. Every single play was a DeAndre Jordan alley-oop. I think right. four of their first eight baskets were DeAndre Jordan alley-oops. And that was the thing Dr. Griffith said before the game was don't let them get behind you. You yeah. know, don't let guys like Jordan or Griffin 
sneak behind you because that ball is going to be lobbed up and they're going to throw it down. And, and I think Doc called the timeout in the first couple of minutes of the first quarter because the Clippers are up. You know, they scored 11 points in the first couple of minutes. And I think, like you said, three or four of them were on alley-oops or dunks. So, you know, obviously the Celtics finally understood what Rivers was saying. They're cutting off lanes to the hoop. I, think, I thought Bass, you know, picked up his game on the defensive end and KG was... KG, and you know, in the second quarter, I mean, the Clippers scored 10 points. So that tells you right there that you know, whatever Doc said to those guys in that timeout in, in, in the huddle uh, in between first and second quarter, they finally they got it. And uh, speaking of KG, parental discretion advised, sort of. Not, not the worst of choice words, but still, he's going to swear right. as a post-game presser. But he talked about the fact that, uh, well, we'll see whether or not Kevin knew that they were on a winning streak. I'll tell you the truth, I didn't even know uh, what we were in the row. I just know that we've been moving the basketball, playing hard as crap, and <clears throat> playing together since uh, we lost all, you know, the two big guys. Um, so thank you for the information. So they had 59 points in the first half. It was probably one of their best halves of the year, Evans. Uh, they, the three-point shooting started off really good and early in the game, and that's, I think, what really carried them, on top of, of course, capitalizing on the turnovers. Yeah, well, I mean, as Kevin Garnett has been saying, it's, it's been a process learning to play without Rajon Rondo, and we've noticed today that they figured that process out. It's not about watching one guy for 20 seconds hold the ball and then make one pass. It's about constant ball movement from all five guys. And if you keep moving the ball and moving it and moving it, eventually it finds the open guy, and eventually that open guy hits a jump shot, and boom, there you go. Eventually. He eventually. <laughs> After a few months of playing 40 games, he'll hit a jump shot. Yeah, there you go. And I think I said this last game or the last time I was on the show, but it's one of those things where I think not only did Doc maybe not not know what some of these guys were capable of, I think he knew, but like with Rondo on the court, he didn't have the, he couldn't run offense for that, you know, in that way. But some of those guys probably didn't understand what they could do until they were getting more opportunities to, like Brandon Bass said in, you know, after practice on Thursday, that now everyone, instead of one person getting a chance for 14, 15 assists, everyone gets a chance for like two to three assists. So I think that's what we're seeing now. Guys getting the ball more, they're feeling it. They're getting, uh, you know, a better idea of what works for them. I mean, when you're Terry, when you're Lee, the only way to get yourself out of a slump is to shoot. You know what I mean? And, and if you're not, if you're sitting on the bench, that's not going to help. Yeah. So with Rondo out, obviously those two guys are getting more playing time. Dream's looking a hell of a lot more confident than he ever has um, now, and he's hitting those three pointers. Not only if you're just the corner, but I saw him hit a three from I think it was close to, you know, close to center. Above the break, above, yeah. Above the break, yeah, th- today. So I mean, you know, if those three guys are getting it together on offense and especially on defense. Um, it's one of those things where they're making up for Rondo and Challenger. Well, we saw last game, I think it was five guys that had four or more assists. That never happens when right. Rondo's on the floor. <laughs> never. Yeah, Rajon. It's going to be Rajon with like you know, 12 assists, maybe Pierce with five, right. and Kevin with three. I mean, look, tonight everyone hit a field goal. Yeah. No, that didn't, that didn't happen in the first couple months of the year. You know, there'd be guys in the bench that would go over like, yeah. easily. You know, and they had five guys score double figures, and two guys score seven, one guy score nine. So they're getting yeah. pretty much everybody involved. And one guy we didn't even mention yet, Barbosa. I mean, he had a great game today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He had a great game today. Aside, you know, not even counting that buzzer beater with the, like, I don't know what that was at the end. It was, like a, it was like a half was loader, kind of, like Jerry And then he just, like, <laughs> stood there after, like, this is beautiful. <laughs> and I was like, it is beautiful. It was good to see. And he, he's one of those guys that's benefiting, I think, the most from, you know, he hates he to say benefiting because you don't want to benefit off another guy's injury, but well, yeah. he, he is. I mean, he is. He's getting more time. He's getting the ball way more. Uh, and I think, honestly, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like that big of a liability on defense today as, as he has been in the past, past games. And also Courtney Lee. I mean, the numbers tonight weren't that great for him, but Courtney's been really finding his way these last few games. He was one of the best three-point shooters in the league last year when he was in Houston and hasn't right. really been utilized the first 40 games here in Boston. Now that Rondo's out, he's getting more chances to find his mm-hmm. shot. 
you know, all that ball movement has been finding Courtney Lee in the corner for a three many, many, many times this past few games. You know, just having more comfort on the floor with guys finding you and hitting your shot, I mean, that's been big for Courtney Lee. And just not to go completely off topic, but if the Celtics continue to win like they are, not undefeated, obviously, but if they win at a pretty good clip the rest of the season, I mean, what does that do to Rondo's value as a player? I mean, what, like, from the outside looking in, do you, do you can you look at Rondo as the same? I mean... What do people think of Derrick Rose's value right now? The, the Bulls are third or fourth in the East, and right. Rose is still so a great a player. Point. He's still an MVP. I mean, I don't know. Uh, the Celtics can win without their point guard, but he's still a great player that you'd be happy to have on the team, right? Right. Well, I think everybody looks at Chicago and says, this team is great without him. Put him in there, and they're an immediate they're title be threat. And I think the Celtics are probably now going to develop their reputation because they're playing very well without their best player. And you gotta you gotta look at you gotta look at this team and think if all these guys play this well and then you put them into you put them into a system where they can work off of Rondo, that's the team that they wanted. This is the team that we thought could potentially be a fifty five plus win team coming into the season. But you'd really have to change Rondo's game in order for that to work. Because like you just can't insert a guy like Rondo into what's been happening and expect it to be the same because I mean like you said he's a ball commanding point guard yeah. like we say you know he'll hold the ball for 20 seconds and then make a pass like, that's completely opposite of what this team is so unlike Derrick Rose where he's more you know he's a scorer and, you know, he passes it as well too but you know, I, I think the Celtics are built you know they're built I don't want to say they're built to play better without Ronda but they are built with they've got so many guys on the team that can do a lot with the ball in their hands where it's like if like you're under utilizing them when you give it to Rondo for the entire possession but I think we were saying that earlier this year when they right, were Right, but now we're seeing it. So yeah, it's exactly. Different. So we were right. That's what we're yeah, saying. we were so right. We, we know basketball a little bit. We were right. Yeah, but obviously, obviously. obviously it's easier it's easier to talk about the hypothetical and talk about how it needs to be improved. But then when you mesh the two together, it's really difficult to find right. a balance where you can get that working for 48 right. minutes. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk hypotheticals. What if Kevin Garnett were out for the season? Would we be having this conversation right now? I, I don't think so. No. I don't think the Celtics We shut, we shut no the program Garnett. down if Kevin was out for the season. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, there are some guys you can replace and some guys you can't. Guarding and eulogy. And, like, you call Rajon Rondo the best player on this team, but, like, the Celtics without KG are a 25-win team. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. Right. Like, what are we talking about here? Uh, so there's just – the Celtics' identity for the last five years has been team-oriented defense, and Kevin Garnett's been the anchor of all of that. Right. So, and, I don't know. Best player is debatable now, right? Yeah, it is. All right, well, more, more valuable to their team. Okay, well, to be continued, uh, it's going to need a little bit more evaluation. I think we should revisit this topic in a couple of weeks because it's a pretty small sample size Done. at this point. Uh, so let's hammer home the boxing out portion of the show. We're going to pick a number from the box score, and we're going to throw some bows a little bit. That was a subtle throw right there. Evan's got he's got the big you're gonna be, stand there. You got to be subtle with there. She's going to call. Exactly. Just be Matt Barnes and just smack you in the face. So. Just like rip your arm and yeah. you're going for a layup. All right. Well, we'll, we'll pull, let's see if Evans can pull a barn and kind of rip Arbosa down by the grill. I'm sorry. What? Oh, my stat of the game. There we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, my stat is 21. <laughs> Los Angeles Clippers had 21 turnovers in this game. They led to 33 Boston points. I was saying this earlier. I mean, Jeff Green, Paul Pierce, Barbosa even. Those guys were just leaping all over the floor making steals. These weren't like lazy, sloppy Clippers turnovers. These were turnovers that the Celtics worked hard to earn because they were playing really, really hard on defense. Uh, I mean, the transition was really fueling the Celtics. And, yeah, 33 points off turnovers, that's, that's huge. That is huge. I actually thought that was probably the difference in the game. My stat of the day or game is rebounds. 41 for the Clippers, 29 for the Celtics. Now, you're probably saying, well, why are you being such a downer, Jim? Well, because they still won the game, and they're winning in other ways. And, and Danny Ainge said that on Friday. He said, you know, without Jared Salinger, we lose our best rebounder. Well, that doesn't mean that we're hunting the rest of the season. 
it means you're going to have to find other ways to win. Well, like you said, turnovers were one. Like you're about to say, I don't want to give it away, but what he's about to say is another reason why the Celtics won. Spoiler alert, sorry. There, there, there's different reasons and ways that you can win a game, even though you're getting out-rebounded. I mean, obviously the offensive glass, you don't want to be doubled up, and it was 13-6. You don't want to be doubled up on the offensive glass every game because you're not going to win all, You're not going to win those games every time you are. But 41-29, but the Celtics still figured it out. All right, well, for my stat, the Celtics went 10 for 14 from deep through three quarters, and then they went one for four, and they shot 71.4, to be precise, percent from three through three quarters. That's yeah. the best, probably the best three-point shooting they've had just about the entire season. It's been a very bad three-point shooting season for these guys. They're usually one of the better three-point shooting teams. I don't, and I don't think losing Ray Allen is the big difference there. I think it's been a team-wide issue for them. Because it wasn't just Ray carrying the three-point numbers this right. year. I think Pierce, I, have, I don't know his number off the top of my head, but I know that he definitely has not been shooting the three quite as well as he, did, as he did last year. Because right. he turned into an elite three-point shooter the last two or three seasons. So we're seeing Pierce, he went three for five from deep today. Green went three for three. Pierce went four for six. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the third quarter stats. But, yeah, I, don't, I think Green still went 3 for he did, 3 He did, he did, yeah. Yeah, and Terry hit two. So, you know, they got the guys that they need to be hitting their three-point shots. Exactly. They're hitting their three-point shots. Exactly. And that's not a fluke. I mean, that's good ball movement creating open looks. And right. they didn't have that all year long, and we could talk about whether Rondo's the reason for that or not. It would be a great debate. But, I mean, it's not just a fluke that it rims in or out. It's they're executing well and getting good shots. And listen, when you get, real quick, when you get the ball more and you feel like you're a bigger part of the offense, that does something inside of you, like, confidence-wise. And that, I mean, maybe that is the difference for a guy like Green or Lee or Terry, even because yeah. Terry has been on the record as saying, you know, this is more conducive to my game, you know, playing without Rondo. And I, I'm not saying he's, he meant it in a negative way, but facts are facts. He's playing better without Rondo. Yeah, well, let's take a look at what Doc had to say about the offense tonight. How do you look at the three-point shooting tonight? Well, it's important for us now. You know, we're playing small ball. If you're going to play small ball, you either have to get layups or threes. You know, the only post guy really is Paul at times. Uh, Jeff at times and Kevin, so uh, that's how we're playing. Uh, we're looking for quick ones. We're looking for quick shots. Uh, we're trying to in- increase the pace, and that's where you know the last two games I was upset because we had the pace both games, and they didn't want the pace, and then we stopped playing and we allowed them to to get their breath and play, and uh, we're not big enough to slow down and play with the Clippers. I mean, we just fell right in their hands. <laughs> baller of the night time. Let's go right to Evans. Who's your baller tonight? Baller is going to be Brandon Bass for a change. Uh, nine points and eight boards. I mean, his numbers weren't knock your socks off amazing, but the fact that they're asking Bass to do a lot more now that Jared Tollinger out is <laughs> what in the world are you guys doing? Bass has been a really important so player these last couple of games, and, and they needed him to step up and do more. And he, he's crashing the boards. He's giving them defense in the post. I mean, he's not going to have amazing numbers, but he's really he's giving the Celtics what they need. And you guys are freaking me out, Utah. That was good, a good point. play. Something. Okay. Whatever. Uh, my player of the game is Paul Pierce. Um, I don't people. 22 points tonight, 11 in the third quarter. He had that sick offensive rebound that he turned into a three-pointer. Yeah. That was huge. I mean, that, that at that point, you thought there's no way they're losing this game after that. Obviously, things changed in the fourth, but at that point, it was pretty awesome. Um, and then, obviously, in the fourth quarter, dribbling down the clock. I don't know why the Clippers weren't fouled. We didn't foul. We didn't even talk about that, but that's the topic for that's a Vinny Del Negro special right there. I thought yeah. they should have fouled. They didn't. Um, at that point, all Pierce had to do was take the shot and hit the rim, and yeah. I think the game would have ended. But he drained the shot and he put the game away, you know, automatically. So. Uh, there you have it. There you have it. Green um, screen. Not a green screen, apparently. <laughs> uh, I think Paul Pierce deserves play of the game because he hit the most amazing four-point play in history. He draw. He drew a foul by not having. 
not by not being touched and having Jason Collins be <laughs> yeah. an extension of his legs and taking a yeah. charge. Yeah. Or I guess taking a taking a pick foul, whatever the heck you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was a pretty cool play right there. And it almost happened again. It, that's true. It almost happened again. So I want to give an honorary Baller of the Night degree to uh, Eric Bledsoe. Switch on that one there. Uh, his line, 23 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. He was fantastic. Was. But just because the Celtics won, I want to give it to a Celtic. And someone that hasn't really gotten it this year, and he deserves it. Jason Terry, finally coming around this year. Uh, he had a big game. He had 6 assists. He had, what was the point total there, 13 points, but on 5 for 7 shooting. It was a good game for Jason Terry. He clearly is getting comfortable. They're clearly starting to run some of the type of pick-and-roll stuff, some of the coming-around double-screen stuff that worked best for him. And I don't know why it had to be until Rondo was off the team for them to start running the kind of sets that work for Jason Terry, but it's happening. Whatever the reason is, who cares? It's happening, and that's all that really matters. So... We could finally add Jason Terry as a productive, consistent player to this team. Hopefully. It's starting to look like we'll it. It's starting games. to look like it. Now, if only we could have had this earlier in the year, and the Celtics yeah. would have been one of the top teams. It's all Rondo's fault. Blame Rondo for everything. Yeah, I'll try not to blame Rondo for everything. Uh, but it was a good game for Jason Terry. It's about time that he has a good week. It's been a good week for Jason Terry. Yeah, yeah sure. All right. It's been a good week for the Celtics. All right, we a week. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, thought, I thought we were going on something there. No, it's just been a good week, and I was just going to say it could be a lot better uh, Thursday night again. The Lakers? The Lakers. Well, Lakers. they're 1-0 and at home versus L.A. teams right now. We'll see if they go 2-0 and Thursday night. That's when we'll see you again. We're about to go watch the Super Bowl. You already know what has happened by the time that you watch this video. Uh, but just quickly, your picks, Evans, uh, who's, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? You know, the 49ers are the better team. I, I just can't picture Joe Flacco being a Super Bowl champion. That just does not compute for me. So, yeah, I'll go Niners. I'm also going to go Niners. I want, my, I want Randy Moss to get his uh, Super Bowl win. All right, Kevin. Kevin right. or like, we both have I'm picking the Niners, but we'll let, let's hear from Kevin as we say goodbye to you. Celtics win 106 to 104. We're Niners. Let's see what Kevin says. Bye, Ray Lewis. Yeah. Well, bosses get a ring today. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it, Kevin. Yeah, stay in prayer.